beginning at verse 20. Reading God's word there as follows. Then the mother of the sons of Zebedee came up to him, that's Jesus, with her sons, and kneeling before him, she asked him for something. And he said to her, what do you want? She said to him, say that these two sons of mine are to sit, one at your right hand and one at your left in your kingdom. Jesus answered, you do not know what you are asking. Are you able to drink the cup that I am to drink? They said to him, we are able. He said to them, you will drink my cup. But to sit at my right hand and at my left is not mine to grant, but it is for those for whom it has been prepared by my father. And when the ten heard it, they were indignant at the two brothers. But Jesus called them to him and said, you know that the rulers of the Gentiles lord it over them and their great ones exercise authority over them. It shall not be so among you. But whoever would be great among you must be your servant, and whoever would be first among you must be your slave, even as the Son of Man came not to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. And as they went out of Jericho, a great crowd followed him. And behold, there were two blind men sitting by the roadside. And when they heard that Jesus was passing by, they cried out, Lord, have mercy on us, Son of David. The crowd rebuked them, telling them to be silent. But they cried out all the more, Lord, have mercy on us, son of David. And stopping, Jesus called them and said, What do you want me to do for you? They said to him, Lord, let our eyes be opened. And Jesus, in pity, touched their eyes. And immediately they recovered their sight and followed him. This is the word of our God, and may he bless it in our hearing uh, this afternoon. Uh, Beloved in Christ, our Lord, we are all people of desire. Each and every one has wants, has longings. We all experience desire. Uh, For instance, it became clear as I met many of you yesterday, afternoon that you want me to become your pastor. I also have my own want in this regard. I want clarity as to how to answer that particular call. So thank you for your prayers for wisdom in that regard. Desire, wanting, longing is innate, which is to say that each and every one of us is born desiring. Each and every one of us is born longing. You just have to go into the maternity ward. That newborn comes out longing to take oxygen into its tiny lungs. He or she comes out desiring to find its place at mother's breast in order that its longing for milk might be satisfied. And layered into all of that longing of the infant is the longing for warmth and for security. And a first-time mom quickly learns that her child, above all things, is a desiring creature. 
And as that child grows, mom and dad must learn to attune themselves to the fact that their child wants. And they must attune themselves to what their child wants. And that is why kids, your parents, have asked you already many times in your short life this question, what do you want? Now, I know sometimes they ask it with that frustrated voice, like, what do you want? Uh, But hopefully that's not the only way they ask you the question, what do you want? Because as I said, it is a parent's task to be in tune with the fact that not only is their child a wanting creature, but also what their child wants. So more often than not, when your parents ask you what you want, it is because they're genuinely interested in knowing your longings, knowing what exactly it is you desire. They see the importance of you naming for them the things that you long for. And they want to fulfill your desires. They want to fulfill your longings. They want to say yes to what you want. Although sometimes, as you've already discovered, they say no. But I want you to know that both their yes and their no to your longings are meant to shape your desires in the right direction because not all of our desires are shaped in the right direction. And so sometimes we have to hear no in order that we might see ourselves desiring rightly. Yet isn't it fascinating that whether your parents' response ends up being yes or no, they continually invite you to identify your desires with that question, what do you want? And that brings me this afternoon to the king's question in Matthew chapter 20. For the king also asks the question, what do you want? And he asks it, as you maybe noticed in our reading, he asks it of two different groups of people. He asks it, first of all, of a mom and her two sons. What do you want? And he asks it of two blind men. What do you want? And as we come to the king's table this afternoon, he asks us, the very same question, what do you want? Now you might wonder why I'm referring to his question as the king's question. Well, it's because this chapter is preparing us for the next. And the next is about the triumphal entry of the king into Jerusalem and into the temple. The theme of Jesus as king is a very strong theme in the Gospel of Matthew. It's a, it's a theme that's set from the very first verse. This is the genealogy of Jesus Christ, the son of David. It, it's a theme that's established in the second chapter when the wise men come from the east and they say, where is the one born king of the Jews? There is throughout the book of Matthew these Continued references, sometimes subtle, sometimes right there, to Jesus as the King. References that reach their climax as Jesus hangs on the cross and affixed to that cross above His head is the criminal charge. This is Jesus, the King of the Jews. 
one of the more subtle references to Jesus as the king is in his own words of Matthew 19, verse 28. Jesus said to his disciples, Truly I say to you, in the new world, when the Son of Man will sit on his glorious throne, you who have followed me will also sit on twelve thrones, judging the twelve tribes of Israel. Well, you can imagine the scene that unfolds after Jesus says those words. The disciples are looking at each other going, we just hit the jackpot. Twelve thrones. And two disciples go home and they talk to mom. And they say, mom, we'd really like the two best spots. We'd really like the throne at the right and the throne at the left of Jesus. And she says, well, sons, there's only one way to get what you want in life. You go ask for it. So she says, come with me. And she takes her sons, and they're grown men, but there's mom taking her grown sons, and they're kneeling at the feet of Jesus, about to ask something, and Jesus looks at mom and says, what do you want? What do you want? Jesus invites her to name her desires. Jesus invites her to identify her longings, and her longings are, of course, tied up with her son's longings. They badly desire the right and the left throne around Jesus because she loves them. She longs for it for them. And so she says to Jesus in response to his invitation, say that these two sons of mine are to sit, one at your right and one at your left in your kingdom. She wants the two best spots because they want the two best spots. And she believes that all Jesus has to do, because he's the king, all Jesus has to do is say the word yes, and it will be done. And Jesus says no. And he says no for two reasons. One reason he says no is because they have no idea what they're asking. The other reason he says no is because despite being the king, this is one thing he cannot grant them. He says no because they don't know what they're asking. They think they're asking for the two best spots. But what they're really asking for is the two worst spots. Because that's how it works when it comes to Jesus and thrones. They want the two best spots. What they don't realize is they're asking for the two worst spots. Before one can sit at the right and at the left hand of Jesus, one must be willing to hang at the right and the left hand of Jesus. Are you able to drink the cup that I am to drink? Says Jesus. You know, Jesus at this moment is a week away from his death. And he has just finished pulling his disciples aside, the closest disciples, the twelve. He's pulled them aside and he said, look, I'm going to be handed over first to the religious leaders of Israel and then they in turn will hand me over uh, to the Gentiles, to the Romans. And I will be mocked and I will be flogged and I will be crucified. That's what I'm going to go through before I sit upon my glorious throne. Are you able to go through something similar? And much to our amazement, because we know what Jesus is talking about, much to our amazement, they say we are able. They so badly want the two best spots, that they actually say 
were able to embrace the two worst spots. And Jesus said, actually, you are going to suffer for my sake. You are going to drink the cup of suffering. But as for the two best spots, it's not for me to hand them out. That belongs to my Father. What do you want? As you come to the table this afternoon, maybe you long for some measure of recognition. Maybe you long for a place of authority in the church of Jesus. Maybe you long for some place in the church where people will look up to you and acknowledge you. Take leadership from you. And the king says to you, if you, if you want that spot, you're actually wanting the worst spot, not the best spot. If you would desire to be great and you would desire to be first, well, says Jesus, then you also have to be a humble servant and a slave of all. Because that's what the king himself did. And this table this afternoon reminds you of the life of the king. It reminds you that Jesus did not come to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. And at his table, all who come to that table must come humbly, willing to serve even as he served. What do you want? It's an open-ended question from Jesus as you come to the table this afternoon. Jesus invites you to name your desires, but he also seeks to shape your desires so that your desires reflect his desires and your deeds reflect his deeds. But maybe as you come to his table this afternoon, it is not a coveted spot that you're looking for. You're simply looking for a little mercy. You're looking for his healing hand to touch your soul, your mind, your body. When the two blind men heard that Jesus was passing by, they cried out to him, Lord, have mercy on us, son of David. And everyone said, shut up. And so they cried out all the louder, Lord, have mercy on us, son of David. And of course, we're meant to remember the opening verse of the, the gospel. This is the genealogy of Jesus Christ, the son of David. A lot of people in Matthew's gospel don't see what the blind men see. And that's Jesus is the son of David. Jesus is the king. And so they're crying out to their king to have mercy on them. And the king stops when he hears them. And he goes over to them and he says, what do you want? What do you want me to do for you? He invites them to identify their desires. He invites them to name their longings. We say, why? Why does Jesus do that? Is it really necessary for Jesus at this moment to ask the question, what do you want me to do for you? I mean, it's, it's obvious, Jesus. You, you've seen hundreds of blind people before. You kind of know what they look like by now. And, and every one of them has come up to you for the very same reason. They all want their eyes opened. Surely you don't need to ask them, what do you want? And f he doesn't, not for his sake anyways. But he needs to ask them for their sake. And he needs to ask them for your sake and for my sake. 
Because He's teaching you and me that He knows we are desiring creatures. And He's teaching you and me that He cares about each and every one of the longings of our hearts. What Jesus is actually doing here is teaching you to pray your desires. What do you want me to do for you? And then notice the answer is a prayer. Because that's what Jesus is teaching. Lord, let our eyes be opened. When God created human beings, He created them to see. But in this broken world, not everyone can see. Not everyone can hear. Not everyone can talk. Not everyone can walk. But we can all long, and we do all long, for living life as God intended from the very beginning. We want our bodies, and so many of our longings are wrapped up with our bodies, we want our, our bodies to reflect the goodness and the beauty of God's original intent in all of His creation. We want our communities and we want creation itself in its entirety to reflect that goodness and that beauty. And in this case, these two men with their bodies just want to be able to see their communities and to see that creation. They want to be able to see that beauty and that goodness. Lord, let our eyes be opened. And Jesus, says Matthew, in pity, touched their eyes and immediately they recovered their sight and they followed him in pity he touched their eyes you can just you can see jesus touching with his hand but you can also you're also given a glimpse into the heart of jesus into the into the innermost being of Jesus, because when the Bible talks about pity and when the Bible talks about compassion, the Bible uses a word that quite literally means your guts. In the deepest part of your being, you long and you desire, and now we meet Jesus filled with longing and desire to heal and to fix and to open See, Jesus touches them with His healing hand because the longing of Jesus' heart and the longing of the heart of God is for His creation to be as it was in the beginning. Yes, God longs for the restoration of all things in this broken world. I mentioned a little earlier, Matthew chapter 19, 28, where Jesus talks about Himself sitting on a glorious throne and the disciples sitting on 12 thrones, judging the 12 tribes of Israel. What is intriguing about that statement of Jesus is that he says it'll happen in the new world. In the new world, the Son of Man will sit on his glorious throne. And there's a fascinating Greek word that is used that we translate as the new world. And normally I wouldn't bother you with Greek because it'll bore most of you. But I'm going to tell you the Greek word. It's, it's one word, but it's a compound word word, it's palingenesis. And that's the reason I tell you, because you can all recognize the genesis part. What you don't recognize is the palin part, which means again. The again genesis. The new genesis. 
with the coming of the king, and this is crucial to understand, of all of Jesus' ministry, all of his healings, with the coming of the king, the new Genesis enters into the old Genesis. The new world enters into the old world. The perfect world enters into the broken world. It's only in part. It is not in full. We have to wait for that in the fullness of time. But in the meantime... Here is Jesus as He is on earth and still as He is in heaven. And He keeps breaking back in with the new Genesis into the old Genesis. And, and that only happens with and through the King. And every healing from sickness and every compassionate touch of His hand, even today, is a little signpost of the new Genesis that is coming And yet, beloved, the most striking part of the story that we looked at this afternoon is not the recovery of sight of the blind. It is the last three words of our reading. And those are the words, and followed him. Why did they follow him? I mean, they had gotten the desire of their heart. Their deepest longing had been satisfied. Their eyes had been opened. What did they need Jesus for anymore? And yet they followed Him because they longed to be with the King. Because in their moment of healing, they knew with certainty that only with the King is there hope for the new Genesis. The King's table where we gather this afternoon to eat and to drink, is a place to experience the very same certainty. And so as we eat and as we drink and as we, as we taste and as we experience with our bodies, we are meant to receive a foretaste of that new world, of that kingdom, of that table where Christ will sit with us in the kingdom of His Father. We're getting a foretaste of the new Genesis. What do you want? The King's question invites you to name the desires of your heart. And with every yes from the king, as well as with every no from the king. The king is seeking to shape your heart so that you desire, above all things, to follow him. One thing have I desired of God as favor. Psalm 27. That I may always in his temple dwell to view the beauty of the Lord my Savior. Is this what you want? Is He what you desire? Let's pray.